So I've got this cross up here because I want to talk about it. And I thought it would be helpful to have it here. I want to talk about roads to and from the cross. Um, There was a word uh, given for somebody with uh, troubling with their left eye. If you have problems with your left eye, we just bless that, speak healing to it in the name of Jesus. Uh, we're, We're increasingly as a church moving into a time where we really don't believe Jesus went to the cross so that we could just thank him so much for what he did but that he actually went to the cross so that we could be released into something that we never had access to before and that our praise and our our passion for that cross would be as to what it meant. It would be like somebody giving you a million dollars and you framed it and said, when I got that million dollars, my life changed. But you would be an absolute nut if you framed that thing and you never cashed it in. And and you said, this is the the check that I was given. It's a million dollars. And I keep it on my wall and somebody says, and you still live in poverty. What's your problem? I just don't feel worthy. That's what we often do. Or you had it sort of an image made in gold and you hung it around your neck. You were so grateful for getting the check, but you never actually benefited from it. So we want want to, to benefit from this because it cost a lot. It was very expensive. It was the best thing God could do. So... We want to think about that. Somebody said this, Jesus died on the cross to take on himself what we deserve so that we could receive what he deserved. Jesus died on the cross to take on that cross what we deserve so that we can receive what he deserved. So what are we going to talk about today is going to be really offensive, but also really cool. It's really offensive in a multicultural society that hates anything to be specific. It's very offensive in a society that goes, there's no one truth. That is the only truth we accept, that there is no one truth. It's very uh, offensive to those who go, there are many pathways to God. And don't you dare be so dogmatic as to say the only pathway to God is Jesus Christ. But I am saying that without apology whatsoever. But without the kind of... um, judgmental negativity that goes with very often that declaration. Let me, let me put something aside at the beginning while I'm going to be dogmatic, specific, and um, I hope actually it'll be cool. But the fact that Jesus is the only way to God in terms of Jesus is the only revelation of God who has come to earth. If you took Jesus away, there would be no revelation of God that God is kind, that God forgives, that God cares any at all about this planet, that certainly God cares about you. There is no revelation of God who forgives. There's no revelation of a God who heals. And there's no revelation of a God who does anything after death. If you take Jesus out of the equation and the revelation of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, out of the picture, you have nothing but mystery. God is what he is to the Hindus, what he is to the Buddhists, what he is to... Islam and Judaism in some ways because we share the common basis of, of uh, who God might be, but we don't share in what God revealed in Jesus. And instead of Jesus, it being a negative thing, it's about why would you, I say, why would you settle for forgive this, a Volkswagen if you could have a Cadillac? In Jesus is the only place where God comes, speaks into humanity and actually does something for them. It's the only revelation of a God who suffers. It's the only revelation of a God who says, I have come to bear your sin so that you can actually walk into a place of freedom. On my ticket, every other faith, 
You put them all together and everybody thinks it's open-minded. It's actually terrible. Go to Hindu, come to India with me in, in November. See how Hinduism works. How the caste system works. You want to see a nation that's cursed? Come to India. Watch it. See it. Little babies, much smaller in the streets, just left behind. But who cares? Because in their previous life, reincarnation. That's another wonderful theory. In the, in the West, we, we, it's kind of like a hobby, the, the religious spirituality. It's nonsense. There is no actually, I mean, there's no proof for re, re, uh, reincarnation. There's far more evidence for the resurrection of Jesus than there is for reincarnation. So when we're going to talk about the equality of religions, we've got to make sure we know what we're talking about. But what I'm not saying, and I want to make this real clear because it really gives me a pain, when we as Christians start damning everybody else because they don't know Jesus, they're all going to hell and we're the only ones going. I trust because of the revelation of Jesus that God will deal fairly with those who have never heard of Jesus before. That he will, if I'm concerned about what happens to people, then I believe he's more concerned. So I'm not about to start saying every Buddhist is going to go to hell and every Islam is going to go to hell and every... I don't know. And I don't have to judge. All I know is that Jesus came so that heaven could break open on earth and he actually want, God wants to be part of life on earth, not just a ticket when you're dead. And that's what we're talking about today. There's so many places where the whole Christian message stops at conversion. I became a Christian. And that's it. Which is like I was conceived and born. There's got to be more. And so we read this, this passage. Can you buy that? I mean, does that make sense to you? I really want to hit hard the, the sort of judgment, damnation of everybody else except me. Because if Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross for everyone. But the, the reality is, how do they know? And I do not have an answer to how he's going to do it. That's not my problem. And I say that in a good way, not a bad way. I do know that he desires all people to know him now because it would make life on earth a lot easier. The trouble is half the Christians haven't cashed in the check, so they look miserable too. So they walk around saying, are you a Christian? Are you saved? And you go, I don't want to be saved if this is what happens. I mean, you, don't, you, you look boring. You don't get excited about being saved. <laughs> got to go to church. The wonder of church is what we can do with Lefty. When somebody's father dies, we can gather around and we can support them. We can send them off. We can pay their tickets because I can't, but we can. That's the wonder of community. The wonder of community is people, like all of us at different times, something happens and there are people who gather around and say, we love you, we care for you, we're here for you. That's why you need church. That's powerful. Create places of healing and friendship and hope and generosity. Iron sharpening iron, which means not everything about you is that cool. You need people to be challenging you in friendship, right? A few of you are not sure about that one. So there's, it's dynamic, it's organic, it's real. So let's get to my notes here. Jesus says, you know this one in John 14:6. I'm going to throw out some references. I am the way and the truth and the life. That's what he said. It's just incredibly narrow-minded. Jesus, John 14, 6. 
uh, he, he talks about, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'll come back and take you to be with me, which I usually say at your funeral. Um, you know, Jesus says, I've gone to, take, to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back to be with you and he's coming back to be with you now, not when you're dead. God is not obsessed about death. He's actually obsessed with life. He's not obsessed with sin. He's, accept, he's obsessed with freedom. It's like you have kids and you're obsessed they get dirty all the time. You go, get a life. Kids get dirty, but I love my kid, and the fact they get dirty, I've made provision for them. That's what God does with the cross. He says, get a life. When you get a life, you'll need the cross because you'll need forgiveness. But for God's sake, which is me speaking to myself, live. Well, that didn't go down really well. Really. <laughs> live, live, live. You see, this is a fan. I'm going to, I'm going to, for a change, be offensive. I feel like being offensive. I just feel like it today. I feel like, which, which is, is the, the people who will be offended are the religious people who actually don't want to bow the knee to Jesus, but they want their ticket to heaven. And you can't have it both ways. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no revelation of Father except through me. What's the biggest problem in our world? Father. We've got a lot of problems. You go to Uganda, there are lots of children. You go to India, there are lots of children. People say they're orphanages everywhere, but not in North America. You say, well, the reason it's not in North America is we abort our children before they're born, so we don't have the problem. Then we smugly turn around and say, we don't have orphanages. You say, no, you just kill them. Oh, but please, be sensitive. No, it's what we do. We have nothing to be proud of. With a little bit of money and a little bit of education, a little bit of finesse, you can make evil look really quite cool. It's not. That's not a condemning word. It's just the way it is. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and I call you to come to the Father. Because God wants to be known as Father, not as Big Brother, not as Higher Power, not as the Guru in the sky, not as anything other than Father. Because He wants a relationship with His children, which is every human being. So, there's a pathway to him, and it's narrow. You know how narrow it is? It's really narrow. Only one person can walk upon it. It's that narrow. You can't walk side by side. You only walk one by one. It's going to get worse. Jesus says in John 10, uh, verse 9, I'm kind of amped up today. 10, 9, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. He's flattering us. He says we're sheep instead of cockroaches. We're sheep. So that's quite flattering. Some of us are more woolly than others. But they're sheep. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. Why? Because the sheep are not that intelligent and they need help. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture, and the thief comes only to steal and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So apparently the shepherd, who is the way to the sheep, and he says, I'm a gateway, he says, I want them to come in and be fat sheep. I want them to be come in and, 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 and have lots of pasture, provision, and peace and joy and life. The thief comes in to destroy. The thief comes in to take hold of the sheep, control the sheep, and then use the sheep for his or her gain. Jesus comes in and says, the sheep that comes through the gate that is me will actually be blessed. It's very different. 
You know when you're listening to a thief and a destroyer and when you're listening to a father who loves you. That's the revelation that Jesus came to do. He came into a world that had already been taken over by the thief and he came into a world that already distorted everything about God. He came into a world where the thief had already brainwashed the people to believe that God didn't care about them and that they had to suffer and work on themselves. That's what you see in Noah. The guy says, God doesn't care about us anymore and he's, he's able to sort of struggle with that. That's the lineage out of Cain. You've got to use your imagination with Noah, by the way. There's lots in it, but don't get freaked out by the sort of stuff because I think the basic message is cool. I've got to hurry on here. The narrow road to the cross. What did Jesus say? He said something else. There's another. He said, it's more difficult for a rich man to get into the kingdom than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I think he might have smiled when he said that. He had an eye of a needle. Maybe it was a blanket needle. There's a little bigger eye. And he said, and a camel is the biggest animal they had around there. In Africa, you would have said it is better for a, for a man. You know, uh, what, he would, what would he call it? An eye of a needle and an elephant. It would be big. In this church, it would be lefty, probably. And the disciples listened to them and said, but Jesus, if, who can? And he said, with, what did he say? What is impossible for you is impossible. All things are possible for God. All things are possible for God. So what do you make of that phrase when he says, you know, you go to the cross and the path is narrow? In Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Many go on the broad way, so lots of people say, well, everybody's doing it. It's not kind of a good proof text for your life. And narrow is the road. Now, I don't know about you, but I've usually heard this taught, and it's kind of like your life is this narrow road. And it's really kind of boring. You can't dance, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't talk, you can't smile, you can't do anything on Sundays, you can't do anything on Mondays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I mean, it's just... You know, it's bad. Can't play golf, can't fish. It's just miserable. That's not what this says. See, this narrow road, it leads to the cross. It's not meant to be your whole life on a narrow road. Your life leading to God is a narrow road. And by the way, if you look at the cross, it doesn't take a crowd. It's one at a time as well. Which means because granny prayed for you, it doesn't work. We all have to choose which path we walk on. So, we're really grateful that Jesus went to the cross, but he went to the cross so that we could go through the cross. There he is. See, without Jesus and without the revelation of Jesus, have you heard in philosophy, if you do philosophy, you have five blind men describing a donkey. And they all touch the donkey, and one says the donkey, the one's holding its trunk, it says uh, 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 the, the elephant... Sorry, it's an elephant. Um, it's easier. The elephant, you know, an elephant is, is, is long and sort of like a, a big pipe. And somebody else touches the tusk and says it's hard and pointed. And the other touches its, its, uh, its side and says like a big wall. But they're blind men groping around. But when somebody opens their eyes, they say, oh, well, we are all right, but this is the revelation. An elephant is huge. And look at it, it's all these things. That's what Jesus did as he gave the revelation of who God is. 
God is suffering, God is kind, God is good, and He cares about you. So that because your life has gone astray, He hasn't given up. He said, I want to rescue you. Why do you think parents care so much about their children? Why do you think parents would say, if I could give you their kidney, I'd give it to you? Because you carry, whether you like it or not, the imprint of God in your spirit. And the way you relate to your children is part of God's heart for you. You cannot just avoid it. If you who are evil know how to donate an organ to your child, how much more will God give to you? You've got to get a hold of the passion of God for you. And He's so passionate for you. I'll bug you this morning if you need to be bugged. Because He wants you close to Him. He wants you to know Him. Because He looks at you and says, Your life is miserable. You're my kid. What are you doing in rags? I'm not in rags. I wear nice clothes. He said, I'm not talking about the outside, idiot. So what do you think this gate looks like? Square? No. That was the Passover lamb. The gate is like this. What does that remind you of? Border crossings. Border crossings. You try to get into the States recently? You try to go on airplanes recently? They touch you where you... They shouldn't. They call it security. I've got to get your attention somehow. I mean, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. This is the, this is the uh, posture. Think about that. You see... You have on earth, in our human systems, little clues as to what God is talking about. And you go to border crossings, what they're doing. They're saying you're not allowed to bring some stuff into our country. You go to New Zealand, you arrive in New Zealand or Australia, and as you're walking off the plane, they're saying to you, uh, just warning you that if you've got any, any agricultural goods, you're going to be put in prison. We went there to visit my brother, my, my little daughter, Michelle, who's been causing a riot, has, says, let's keep the, the shells we got from Cook Island. I said, no, I think we should declare them. No, let's just keep them. They won't know. And for once, I didn't listen to her because, you know, you get arrested. My daughter told me to do that. Well, that wouldn't have gone on in customs. I came across the border out of Israel when I spent time there. They, 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 they thought I was a terrorist. And they wouldn't, I missed my flight. They x-rayed everything. The soap and the toothbrush. I said, you can have the damn things. Excuse me. But, you know, what it felt like. Security, security. You try to get into Canada. Security, security is everywhere. Why? Because we don't trust each other. And you might have a bomb. And you might blow us up and all the rest of it. I'm using very familiar terminology to say, so why is it so offensive when God happens to say, excuse me, we don't just let anybody come in the kingdom. Huh. You walk, try, I mean, try your attitude to Jesus. As, try it at the airport. I sincerely believe I should keep this. Excuse me, sir, it's not on our list. You can't. I just sincerely believe it's mine. I think you're, you're victimizing me right now. I think you're really narrow minded. Sorry, so you just don't need to fly with us then. Well, I'm going to get my lawyer. You can get your lawyer, and you can get your mother, and you can get your grandmother. Go and get whoever you like. You're not coming on this plane. I thought it was a free country. Yeah, it's free, but not that free. Well, I don't think it's fair. You call yourself a Christian? Gets silly, doesn't it? I don't think they even put that in here. Yeah, I did. There we go. And then you get into, you, you, you get into the country eventually, and you so like it, you want all your relatives to come. I don't actually want mine, but, you, you, you know, <laughs> I'm quite happy with one in Australia and one in England. Oh, shoot, this is recorded? I uh, love you. <laughs> love you. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but you bring people in because you say this is a land of opportunity and a land of freedom, and it is. 
What about the kingdom? Come on, Leo, but it's not that bad. My word. You know how hard it is to get into Canada? You know, you want to get into Canada, you want to get on Australia, you want to get to the United States, they've got to tell you, why should I care? You fill in the form and they say, well, what do you do that we can benefit from? So if you've got the right skills and the right numbers, you can get Australia, you can get into Canada. If you're not, you just say, I just want to hang out. They won't let you in. Because you might become a liability to the system and then we have to pay for you. Lots of conditions to get into countries. So the road to the cross is narrow. And when you go through customs, you don't go through in the crowd, you go through one by one. They learned that from Jesus. And they search you for your stuff. We read a psalm this morning. It was Psalm 139. It said, search me, O God. See, this does tie together. Search me, O God. What's the best way to go through God's customs? Search me, O Lord. Know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. See, when you go through customs with God, he's not looking for your stuff. He couldn't care less about your stuff. He's actually x-raying your heart. Because I don't want you to come in here with attitude. Because you come in here with attitude, you're going to get killed. So I'm going to look at your heart. The only people who come in are those who have actually said, Forgive me, Lord, I am a sinner. I thank you that Jesus went through customs for me. I thank you so much that he actually took all my stuff. So as I identify with him, the miracle of God is that he just cleanses us. And he says, By his stripes I am healed. By his blood I am cleansed. I don't deserve it. And so when you go through, this is the posture, but you go through and they just look at you and go, Jesus paid for him. Some of them hit the wall clunk and they go, uh-uh, he's trying to get in, he's an imposter. He hasn't submitted himself at all. Go for a walk. Come back when it's only grace that's going to get you there. Come back when it's because of Jesus that you have access, not because of anything else. You see, this is the only way you can get into his country. You don't need an education. You don't need money. You don't need gender. You don't need anything that comes out of your own ability to produce. And what does that mean? It means that everyone is open and welcome. It's the most generous border crossing the world has ever seen. Come to me, all you who are weak and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You just come one by one and you come on my terms. When you go to the United States border, you go to the Canadian border, you go to the Indian border, you go to any border in the world, you don't rock up there and say, I think this is what I'll bring in. You look at their list and you submit to their list or they just go have a nice life, go somewhere else. You either play by their terms or you don't go in. So why is it so narrow-minded for Jesus to say, this is how you come to the kingdom? I've paid for everything, but it's not, you're not going to get to call the shots. He's not talking, by the way, about, about perfection. He's talking about attitude of heart. Because he knows when you come into the kingdom, there's still work to do. He just wants you to know that you have work to do. But what he wants you to do is say, my life without you, God, is not complete. I need a savior. I'm not complete within myself. You see, the judgment comes when you have the revelation of your sinfulness and you've got nobody to take care of it. Then you go back into performance to try and work out how people can, how, what do I have to do? And Jesus just says, well, just believe in me. Well, I don't know who you are. Then talk to me. Talk to people who know me. Work out who I am so you can believe in me. I'm not asking you to cross your fingers and jump. 
That's stupid faith. It's not any faith that's respectable. Faith that, it, that makes a difference is ask questions until it makes sense. There are lots of people who throw away mindless remarks about God, Jesus, the Bible, and everything else, and they don't even know what they're talking about. So it's not very threatening. It's just like, wow, that's deep. You've really thought this through. I think you're coming from a prejudiced place. And your prejudiced place is informed by a negative conclusion that still doesn't have any foundation. It's probably got more to do with your childhood or your marriage or something that's happened than it has to do with the revelation of God. Well, if he loved me so much, why did he do this to me? He didn't do it to you. Somebody else did it to you. Stop blaming God for what we do to one another. So, this is not going to be this miserable all along, all right? I mean, this is just like, I'm just trying to make it real clear why there's... You know, a one gate, one person, one at a time, and why we need it. Have I made that yet? So you want to move on to something nicer now? It's called grace. You don't deserve it. You don't have to work hard. You don't have to go to theology college. You don't have to come to church for 15 years. You don't have to be nice to anybody. You just have to say help and thank you. And here I am. That's it. It's called grace. But for God's sake, don't stay there because that's pathetic. It is so pathetic when Christians stay there. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm just a miserable sinner. And they never get any further than that. And you go, oh, my word, you are sick. Jesus didn't die for that. He's not there now. He's on his way doing other things. So the same is true for you. Get off the cross, for God's sake. He went to the cross so we don't have to be on it. That doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It just means get a life. Harder to get out of Egypt, be crucified, than it is to get into the promised land, which is to have a life. Read it. You and I are them. Smile. It's all right for to be screwed up. But now we're going to go through the cross, and that's going to be fun. One more thing before we go through the cross. I've got to go around the cross once more. What do you think you meet when you come to the cross? At the end of that little winding road, which is one at a time, and you're all scared. See, the miracle, every other religion... When you come to God, you come to a blank wall. And you write on the wall whatever you think you should be on the other side. But there's a door in this wall. And you come through Jesus to where God is. It's in the Bible. Read the Bible. It's obvious. You know who it is? It's the Father. Story of the prodigal son. Where's God? He's come onto earth and he's sitting there and he sees you coming. He's Goodness me, that's Bill. Man, I've been waiting. And he's not even talking. His hand's down and he's going, oh, I screwed up with everything. And the father runs out to greet him. And he hugs him. And he says, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. And he's got this whole, you, you know, you've got all this guilt and all this stuff weighing you down, and go, I've got, but I've got to, he said, everybody else in your life, yes, you have to sit down, explain it, ask them to be sorry, you've got to be humiliated, and you've got to feel like this high, and then they say, well, get up, you're lucky, by grace, I'll let you live. He doesn't do any of that, he just says, I'm so, I can tell by your body language, I know your heart, I can read you, you are sorry, and I'm so glad we went to the cross for you, come in, there's a banquet, come in, come in, you come to this cross, you think you're going through a lot of pain, and what it is, repentance, you see, is just turning around. It's just changing direction and changing your thinking. And you come to the cross, you know you don't get nailed there. Jesus was nailed there. You get welcomed there. What did Jesus say when he was dying on the cross? The last words virtually. Mary, mother, there's your son. Son, there's your mother. Reconciliation all the time. 
So you come to the cross. The hard place is getting to the cross. Having to come to terms with the fact I can't do this thing called life on my own. Having to come to terms with the fact that religion is, is, is pitiful. And trying to follow Jesus in a religious way is just nauseatingly hypocritical. Irritates you and it irritates everybody else. So stop it. And you come to the cross and the Father greets you and he says, welcome, 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 welcome. And he puts a cloak on your shoulders and a ring on your fingers and sandals on your feet. And he says, I, it's a father receiving back his lost son or daughter. It makes Bill Gates look like a pauper. And he, he says, come into my kingdom because all I have is yours. But I don't deserve. And he says, it's not, about, it's not about deserving. It's about identity. So you go through the cross. And like the book of Narnia where you go through the wardrobe, you just fall into this place that is the kingdom of heaven. You know what's on the other side of the cross? Say the cross is this way now. You came in this way because there are nails on this side. When you get through here, what do you see? It's a massive road. It's a huge highway. Now go and live. This actually folds back, by the way. So heaven on earth is right where we are now. You're either living on this side of the cross or this side of the cross right here because it's a spiritual reality. So you, you go through the cross and suddenly the kingdom is present. What does that mean? Well, God is the Lord of this place and I am his servant and his son. And he told me that all he has is mine. So I have resources here that I didn't have any hope of here. And I have an identity here that I didn't have at all there. My identity here was totally rooted in the family that I had to live with because that's how it happened. And my parents abused me or my brother did this or my mother did that. I'm all stuck with that here. I go through the cross and it all peels off. He says, my identity is that you are my son, you're my daughter. I want you to live out of that place. The cross is the place of liberation and restoration. But it's not a place that, it can't just be in your head. It's got to be worked out in your heart. That's what the rest of our lives are about doing. How does this become real in me now? That's why church is important. Church is the place where we learn what does the reality of this mean? What does it mean for us to live under an open heaven? Do you know what an open heaven means? An open heaven was the term that was used when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and he was baptized and he went down under the baptism of repentance. He came up and the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came upon him and settled on him and stayed on him. And we don't read it ever closed again. And the open heaven was the open heaven to God the Father. All the resources of the kingdom released through Jesus. That's how he did his healing. That's how he walked on water. That's how he multiplied. That's how he did everything. He laid that down again at the cross and he picked it up again and released it through Pentecost where the Spirit of God that came upon him in that Jordan was released on all humanity, anybody who wanted to receive it. But you couldn't receive the Spirit of God without going through the cross because the Spirit of God will not fall and dwell on people who are not marked with the blood of Jesus. So you can't go, well, you, you might get a spirit and you might get power, but it will be not demonic and it will imprison you. That's why there's such power struggles all over the place. There's a battle and a, a war waging for power and identity in our world. The cross is the only place where it is actually cleaned out and released. So when you come to the other side of the cross, this is what you get. And then I'm finished because this will take the rest of the... 
If you want to read about the highway, read about the highway in Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35 talks about the highway, the, the way of holiness. The, the, I'm not going to read it now because we don't have time. I was driving here the other day and there was a word that came that I think is, is for us. And, and it was just it's that picture you see, which is open heaven, which is a promise for us, which God says, I just want you to be a church that lives as if, as if I am powerful, as if I heal and as if I actually make a huge difference, and without me, you couldn't do what you do. I want you to be a supernatural church. I want you to be a church where people are healed, the blind see, the lame walk, uh, the people who are addicted get freed from addictions. And you just say, we can't do this, but Jesus does it as we bring people to him. I have nothing to give you, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. People have an identity out of the kingdom where they know who they are because of who he is in them. Does that make sense? That means you're no longer victims. You're children with a future. That means you're not poor. You're rich. It doesn't mean everybody's going to be madly wealthy, but it does mean God's favor will come upon you and you will be, have enough. It doesn't mean that you are destined to live with your misery, that whatever it is right now, it could be your husband or wife, but it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't everything God can change. Everything God can redeem. Because you just say, is this part of the kingdom? And he goes, no way, this is not part of the kingdom. This is part of that world over there. And he says, well, then be in that world, but not of that world. So let me help you find the kingdom there. Does that make sense? Sort of. It's really one truth, and that is God's out to kill you. Dead. So that you can live in him. So everything that rises up in us that is rebellious and angry and negative, he just says, I'm just showing you that because that needs to die. Well, I like it. Well... You're not coming aboard again. Well, once you're in, you're in, but it'll stifle everything that goes on. See, the biggest, the core of human problem is the human problem. The core of human being is I want to be God. So the easiest way to deal with where I am in my own self is to look at my attitude. What rises up in me and what causes me to go, I will not let this go. I couldn't come back into ministry. I wrestled for seven to eight years until I said, Lord, you can have it all. I couldn't get in. I didn't really want in either, but when I wanted to sort of begin to move that direction, everything had to be laid down. Everything. No strings whatsoever. That doesn't mean to say I'm perfect. You know darn well I'm not, but I have settled that one. You can have everything. I've laid it down. I don't have anything to... There's nothing that stands in the way. There's lots, of course, that's sinful that stands in the way, but in my heart of hearts, I've already said, Lord, you can have it. There is nothing that stands in the way. There's no secret in the back pocket. And that's the way for all of us. It's not about perfection. It's about attitude. There is no other place where there is life like there is in Jesus. There is no other place where there is power and presence like there is in Jesus. There is no other hope and joy that is available in the kingdom than there is in Jesus. Not, not even close. But if you're going to come into the kingdom, you come into the kingdom through their searchlights and their search methods and say, Anything that gets in your way, I'll give it to you. I want to keep this unforgiveness. You don't know what happened to me. Well, you just wait at the door, and when you've dealt with that and you're hungry enough, let me know. But it's not fair. Look, there's a whole crowd over there. They've got camps. They live over there. They're still dealing with their misery. The door's always open, but they won't come in. Many will call me Lord and will not come in. It's called humility. So you come in through the cross and this is what you get. Everything is yes and amen in Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. I haven't got time to go through this. 
I'll tell you one thing that happened because it's real and it happened on Friday. I got a note yesterday from my dear daughter who said I totaled the car. Um, she was driving down to Victoria and it was raining and spun the car out. Unfortunately, nobody was hurt and she smashed into the back. And, you know, Dad, the brakes locked. Well, I talked to somebody last night and brakes don't lock. It was probably going too fast and hydroplaning. So she's guilty. But she's my daughter. But she's my daughter. So I don't disown her because she was a little careless, maybe. I don't know. I'm just milking this for my example. I don't, I don't cast her out. I go, Michelle, I'm so sorry. I'm so glad you're not hurt. And then I say to her, Dave DeYoung left a car here who said somebody can use it. And maybe I can get it for you to use for four or five months. And I go and speak to Chris and Micron and say, what's wrong with this car? Can we actually repair it so Michelle can use it for a few months? Yeah, they're going to look at it tomorrow night. That is called community. That is called contacts. That is called blessing when you don't deserve it. Why? Because Michelle is in relationship with her father. And when she's in relationship with her father, and you know her, and she's probably mortified that I'm telling you this, but anyway... When, you, when you're in relationship with Father and you're in relationship with community, resources are released to you that you didn't even know existed. So when you come to the Father in Jesus, you don't know. I mean, we've got this great testimony from Amy. I mean, when she came here, she was in tears and it was all a struggle. And three years later, she's got this massive house and she's got all kinds of things. She doesn't deserve any of it. I deserve it. She doesn't deserve it. None of us deserve. None of us deserve. But when we come into relationship with Father, things get released that we just drop our jaws and go, wow. I had a father who never brought anything home. He never spoiled me. I mean, when I wanted to use the car, I had to tell him that I was using it for a youth group. If I, if I wanted it for myself, I couldn't use it. But this father's different. He just goes, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you. I'm so glad I can say to Michelle, hey, there might be a car, we'll work it out. That's the Father that you're invited to through the cross. But you've got to come through the cross with a humility that says, Father, what do you want? He says, I just want you to have a life. I want you to know my life and my love in a way that you've never known before. The kingdom on earth as in heaven. I have overcome the world, so be hanging out with me. Here means you have power on your side. You have access to the Father's stuff. Whatever you want, it will be granted to you. You can look that up in John 15. Ask, seek, knock, and I will give it. He's generous. I will give it in order to release life. I won't give it just to spoil you. Just make sure you know that one. We're no longer orphans. I promise you I will never leave you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's lots and lots of promises, but they are about appropriating them. This is a very powerful symbol. It's the gateway to heaven, and it's the gateway to life. It's restoration to the Father. It's release of resources for life on earth. It means that everybody can participate. You can all heal the sick. You can all know the power of Jesus flowing through you because you're his son and his daughter. So, I don't do this very often. I'm going to get real clear this morning, um, which is a good thing. I'm speaking to three bunches of people here. And I want to pray over you. There are those who have never asked Jesus into your life. You've never said yes to the cross or... And I used to do this for a long time. I wasn't sure. I kind of go, oh, I don't know. And sometimes you just need to know, you know, <laughs> were you conceived? Are you born? Are you alive? Yes, I know that. Do you remember it? No. 
You need to know that God loves you and that you've said yes to Jesus. That's one group. I'm going to ask you to come up if you want to be prayed for on that. I'm not going to leave you in your seats today, I'm afraid, because this is a, a pathway you've got to get up and walk on. And if pride, and I'm not trying to be silly here, but if pride and awkwardness is what keeps us back, then the best way to kill it is to stamp on it. I mean, I've been publicly humiliated enough, so if I can stand up here under grace, anybody can. Right? That's the encouraging part of Jericho Road. I mean, look, give me a break. The second bunch are those that aren't sure or have kind of started to take on Christianity like religion. And you're trying to work this thing out. And you're still actually... You've, you've said yes to Jesus, but you, you didn't go through into the kingdom. You stayed here and tried to be a good Christian, which is really difficult. It's better to go into the kingdom and allow God's spirit to fill you and then live out of the identity of a son and a daughter with some work to do. You see, the people in the kingdom are not perfect. They're just people who have been set free to become all that God had for them to be. And so you might have regressed into this work type of thing or I've got to earn it. Or you you do that nauseating thing, which is I'm not good enough. Which is really quite, I I kind of go, that's the revelation. No, you're not. So that should bring you closer, not take you further away. Um, There are also those kind of people who go, well, there's this still wrong in my life, so I can't come to God until I've dealt with this. Uh, Yes and no. You can say, God, this is wrong in my life. I want to change it, but I don't have the strength to. So he says, come to me and I'll help you. You see, even when you've got your whole act together according to your will, and you come to God, you'll, you'll just see a whole screen of stuff. And he says, what about this? this? I, didn't, I didn't even realize. So you don't want to play those games because none of us are worthy. Grace is a wonderful thing. And the last group are those who just want to have a release of God's spirit because they know they're in the kingdom, but they're powerless. And God wants to say, I want you to actually receive an impartation of my spirit that you would actually be like little glowworms in the dark. You know, you, you will light up. And that you will know my presence and power and confidence so that you can actually shine in this world. And people will see that you're part of the kingdom because of the way that you live. So if you're in any of that kind of broad stuff, you come up to the front and we're going to pray for you. And if I'm the only one, I'll just stand here and pray for myself. There's no pressure at all, I promise you. I really mean that. But I'm being kind. I'm not bringing people up one by one because I'm trying to give you some comfort level. This is... Really good news. If we could enact this out, we'd have a father for everybody. If I could do this with the technology of the uh, Hollywood, I'd have uh, the father here for everyone with rings and cloaks and sandals and, you know, designer sandals, all the best quality, whatever you think it is. And uh, we're just going to say yes to Jesus. So let's, let's just, uh, you see, isn't it wonderful to gather around the cross and go, I need help. Look around you. Look at all the screwed up people here. I mean, it's just pathetic. <laughs> but we need help. We need help. That's all. It's really liberating to need help. It's not the end of the world. Nobody's dying right now, right? You are dying in another way. We want to kill that completely. So, Jesus, let's pray for the people who have... If you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time, put your hand up. You've got to do something different. Anybody saying yes to Jesus for the first time? Well, even if you didn't put your hand up, I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I just want to pray uh, for those who need to know that they've said yes to you. And so we ask you, you right now, we thank you that you died on the cross. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. 
that when I was sinful, when I was rebellious, when I was absolutely not wanting to know you, you still went to the cross. And I thank you that when I've turned and I've said, I need help, you've been there to welcome me. And and you have gone to that cross for me and I give you my sin right now. I give you things in me that I know are not right. And I just confess them to you without condemnation. I just confess them to you. And I say, Jesus, I give you my attitude. I give you my sin. I give you my anger. I give you my hurt. I give you anything in me that right now I know is not consistent with your love. And just put it on the cross. It doesn't take long. He doesn't go through the stuff. And I just ask you, Jesus, now that your blood will cleanse me of all my sin. I, I, I say to you, Jesus, please forgive me. I am a sinner. And I receive your forgiveness. You know, when I did veterinary work, one syringe puts an animal to sleep. I mean, you hadn't even pressed that syringe in, it was dead. And that's kind of the image I have right now. And that's an image which I'm trying to say is an encouraging one where God says, when you give me your sin, when you give me yourself, I take it as quickly as that. It's done. It is done. So, Father, I I just release now the power of the cross to forgive. I just release forgiveness in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses. You are cleansed by Jesus. You'll still have memories, but you're not guilty. Because you've confessed it and you're forgiven. And he took on the cross all that you deserve. And he releases from the cross right now all that he deserves. So we bless that in Jesus' name. We bless that in Jesus' name. And there's some of you who have got back to works, where you talked about before, you probably prayed that prayer as well, because we can pray that prayer every day, really. But we just want to receive from you, Jesus, the forgiveness that is yours. We want to receive forgiveness. We want to receive grace in your name, Jesus. We bless you. So release into people here, Father, a a real knowing that they are forgiven, that they are set free, that they are sons and daughters of the King. Some of us have thrown off our robes. We've thrown off the sandals. We've thrown off the, the ring. And God wants to place them on us again. He says, I just want to reinstate you as my son or daughter. I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm jealous for you. I'm passionate for you. So receive from God the Father your identity as a son and a daughter. You are marked with the blood of Jesus. You are a citizen of the King of Kings because of what he has done and his decisions, not yours. And where you've been walking in your own strength, where you've been walking in your own abilities, Father, I ask you now to release your Holy Spirit of each person standing here, that they will receive your power. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Breathe it in. Receive the power of God. And the way you receive is you just say thank you and you receive. Receive the love of the Father. Receive his strength to love and to, to be healed. Receive whatever he wants to give to you. Bless what you're doing in each person right now, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for the power of the cross. Fill each person up with your presence right now, your love, your acceptance, your healing. I speak healing over you in the name of Jesus where there's pain in your body, there's pain in your spirit, where there's pain in your heart, where there's disease of any kind. I speak healing to you in the name of Jesus. Just receive from the Father who loves you. Receive, 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 receive. Thank you, Jesus. And just quietly thank him. Thank him that you're living, from now on you're going to live in the kingdom. You might have been there before as a kind of squatter, but now you're going to be there and you've got a room and you've got a place to hang out and there's power there and there's love there and there's resources there and there's identity there and you're never going to be alone again. 
and he's going to be with you. And he says, I've overcome the world, so there's nothing in your life that I can't do for you. I can give you new revelation of who I am. There's a broad highway. You don't have to live on that narrow road anymore. There's a broad highway. So I'm going to ask you, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And I'm going to share with you like you've never had before. You're going to have a freedom like you've never had before. You're going to have joy rising up in you because you've got a future that you didn't think you had. And you've got things that he wants to do in you and through you that you never thought you would ever dream of doing. So we bless that in the name of Jesus. We bless the kingdom on earth as in heaven. Bless an open heaven. Open heaven means that God hears you. The Father hears you. He sees you. I break depression in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I speak to depression and I break it off you in the name of Jesus Christ right now. All depression be gone in the name of Jesus. All despair, all hopelessness. I speak to hopelessness and I command you to loosen anyone who has a sense of hopelessness. Go in the name of Jesus right now. And I bless your presence, Father. Bless your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Let's have the worship team come up and we're going to just finish with a song. And I think you should all just stand here and sing It Is Done with us together and just declare it. All right?